Hey everybody, and welcome to our first episode of a live Proud to Work in Cannabis podcast. We are coming to you from MJ Biz. So excited to have Matt Darren, the CEO of Curaleaf, with me for our first ever live podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. You were just telling me this is, what, your 10th MJ Biz? Yeah, I think this is number 10. Uh, I was thinking back to uh, 2014 when I was uh, here for my first uh, MJ BizCon, which was uh, back at the Rio Convention Center. So uh, not quite uh, at the big convention center like it uh, is now, but a very, very different conference than it is today. Well, that's a perfect segue into why did you decide to go to MJ BizCon in 2014? Give us a for people that don't know your story, I'd love to just learn, you know, what possibly came over you that you said, I'm going to go to a cannabis conference in 2014. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Chicago and uh, had done a few different things in my career, but uh, had a commercial real estate uh, investment company uh, in Chicago with a couple partners. Uh, we were a few years into that. Uh, and in August of 2013, I was literally reading the Chicago Tribune news- newspaper when I read that Illinois had passed a medical cannabis law. And I, you know, was a uh, longtime believer in the cannabis plant and, uh, you know, really kind of uh, thought it was going to continue to be better understood and go more mainstream over time. And so I had to be involved uh, from the ground floor. So you read, you read the paper, you decide you have to be involved. What are the next steps? I think you know, so many people want to start businesses or want to get involved and they look at someone like you and they think, man, how, how did he get from reading the paper to being the CEO of the largest public cannabis company in the United States? Like, take us to the early days. What, what did you actually do? Yeah, so um, I uh, was not predicting uh, that uh, would be here today for sure when we first got into it. So, yeah, so saw the opportunity. You know, Illinois was uh, kind of the first of its kind running a uh, merit-based process to apply for licenses for uh, 20 cultivation licenses and 60 dispensary licenses. Uh, I went to my partners in our real estate business and said, we got to apply for these licenses. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, let's go figure this out, just like it's another real estate deal that we were already doing. And uh, one of the partners uh, was very skeptical and said, uh, you know, this is illegal and uh, we have investors and lenders and uh, this is, you know, don't, don't even go there. Another one was a little more cynical about some of the uh, Chicago politics and things that were going to be involved in getting the licenses. But uh, I said, let's give it a shot. Uh, go spend time doing due diligence. Uh, so we did that. Went out to Colorado a bunch, California, Arizona, markets that were already legal. Did the homework and uh, ultimately put together applications and we're fortunate to get three of the original dispensaries in Chicago. And the name of that business was Grassroots? That original business was Greenhouse. So we okay. operated our first three stores uh, in Illinois under the Greenhouse brand, which wasn't the most original, but we liked it. Uh, but at the time, it, it might have been original. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe a little bit more than it is today. Yeah. So, yeah. So we jumped in. We got three of the original licenses, and uh, you know, basically went and did all the work to go uh, lock down the real estate, get them built, get the uh, stores open, the teams trained. Uh, I was the assistant manager at uh, one of our stores, which was a hundred miles round trip from my house. Uh, so. It was definitely uh, a serious uh, addition to my day job that I already had working uh, in commercial real estate, but it was uh, immediately fascinating and uh, just the uh, excitement about uh, kind of being part of this new industry that was just uh, developing was, uh, was really unique. So what year was that when these three dispensaries opened up? 
just to give people a frame of reference. Yeah, so the licenses were awarded in September of 2014. Okay. It took some time, just like all these processes. There was some uh, uh, litigation and things like that uh, that slowed some things down. We ultimately opened our first stores in January of 2016. So, so, so January of 2016, you open your first stores. Describe that first, first year to us. You're literally the assistant store manager. Uh, you know, what was that first year like? Oh, it was interesting. It's looking back at, uh, you know, how Illinois kind of spawned many of the largest, uh, most successful cannabis companies uh, in the U.S. and I guess the world today. Um, I think it's no accident, uh, you know, kind of based on where everything started from. It was really, really tough uh, those first few years. You know, Illinois, it was a pilot program. It was a temporary law. Uh, we had a governor that was not friendly to the law at all. We had sleepless nights legitimately wondering whether the uh, medical program would even get renewed or we would lose our entire investment and have to shut down operations. Fortunately, that didn't happen, but it was, uh, it was not easy. I remember uh, working a 10-hour day in our dispensary uh, where we might see literally 15 patients in 10 hours. A patient would walk in and we would cheer and uh, just be so excited to have somebody uh, coming in. So there was many, 15 many, patients in 10 hours. Yeah, that's what it was like in the uh, early days. I mean, it was really, uh, uh, you, you know, the medical conditions that allowed you to get a medical card, uh, you had to be half dead to get a card, basically. And so um, it was not easy. Uh, but I think that's a lot of what uh, gave us the, uh, the backbone to be able to, uh, you know, really grow over time. And so then after 2016, you know, you got through some of these hard times. Can you, can you keep walking us through your story and, and how the business evolved? Sure. So we got, as we got in, we saw the opportunity. We applied for one of the original cultivation licenses. Mm -hmm. They only issued 20. We, we did not get one of the original ones, but we ended up acquiring one pretty quickly thereafter from a group that uh, needed to bring in a partner. And so immediately the focus was let's get vertically integrated. That was a unique opportunity that uh, we saw long term that we felt was going to be the position of strength that you needed to have. Um, and so we ended up getting a grow facility set up in central Illinois. Uh, and then Maryland came about as the next state that was issued another similar process, issuing limited licenses to grow and process and dispense. We ended up applying there and uh, were successful to get all those licenses and uh, you know, moved into Maryland. Um, and then quickly thereafter, more states started happening. And so um, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and then Ohio uh, came pretty much back to back. And uh, we were fortunate to win licenses in all those states and uh, be able to kind of be uh, part of the first movers uh, in each of those markets. Markets. Now, I want to talk, I want to get to Curaleaf, of course, but I want to finish this part of your journey. Um, in some way, your, your, you know, your business is acquired. Can you, can you talk to us about that, that journey? Sure. Yeah. So uh, the business, we ended up uh, creating Grassroots, and that was uh, the company that we developed and uh, based out of Chicago and uh, really focused more on the, on the eastern part of the country, uh, major markets, Illinois and Pennsylvania and Maryland and a handful of others. And uh, we were happy running our business uh, out of Chicago, doing well, um, continuing to grow into new markets. Uh, you know, we woke up one day and had 1,200 employees and licenses in 12 states and uh, was really growing exponentially. Um, that was around the time in 2018-19 when companies were going public, U.S. companies in mm -hmm. Canada, and we were looking at the outlook saying, you know, what is the future here? How do we continue to grow and raise capital and be able to compete as the market uh, was uh, continuing to mature? It's a very capital-intensive business, uh, being a uh, multi-state operator, building out grow facilities and dispensaries. And so we looked around the landscape. We considered going public uh, up in Canada and kind of went through that process. We ended up... Uh, meeting up with the Curaleaf team and uh, really kind of saw a natural fit for us to uh, work together. So you, Curaleaf acquires your business 
and you go and join the Kira Leaf team. And then, you know, at some point we all woke up to the announcement that you were the CEO. So can you talk to us about how, how that came about? Yeah, so, um, you know, we ended up uh, after a long, arduous process uh, closing the transaction in July of 2020. Um, so, right in the uh, pandemic. Right in the pandemic. So, interesting times to uh, work through closing a, uh, a major transaction. Zoom. You had to uh, download Zoom. Yes, a lot of uh, remote meetings and yep. uh, meeting a lot of new colleagues, uh, you know, uh, over the internet, the which, internet. Was not, uh, which was not easy. But, and I want to uh, get to your thoughts on remote work. And when we get to your, your you know, your cure leave time. Sure. Yeah. So that's a hot topic. Hot topic. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So we ended up uh, closing in July 2020. Uh, I stayed on in a management role with Cureleaf uh, as a regional president overseeing the central part of the country, which was much of the, the grassroots assets. And uh, we really wanted to stay involved. I um, mean, you know, I love being part of the operations of the cannabis business and, uh, you know, just had a great team that we were bringing on from grassroots and a lot of amazing people at Cureleaf that I was uh, starting to meet and work with, and uh, I wanted to be involved. So I stayed on in that role. I ended up uh, relocating to Florida um, during the pandemic uh, to oversee the Southeast for Cure Relief as well, um, which was an exciting new opportunity. That was kind of the biggest market that we were pushing into, opening a lot of new stores, building out capacity, and really making a, a bigger move into that market. So it was kind of a fun new challenge to go move my family to Florida and, uh, and focus on that. And then ultimately, um, you know, moved into the CEO role in May of 2022. So, um, yeah, it's been had your one-year anniversary. Yeah, so it's been a year and a half now, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know the, the fun is never ending in uh, in cannabis. It's uh, definitely uh, challenges abound, but uh, I still get excited waking up every morning. Uh, you know, just uh, with uh, being able to try to create this playbook that nobody's ever uh, fully created yet. So. So this podcast is called the Proud to Work in Cannabis Podcast, and the majority of the people that listen to it are current employees in the industry or people that want to get into the industry. And so for you, you're hiring tens of thousands of people every single year. What do you think is the number one thing that employees have, you know, what about them makes them successful in your business? So when you look to hire, what are you looking for in the people that you hire? The number one trait that I look at uh, is resilience. I think, uh, and it's not always easy to screen for in an interview process, but uh, when we're talking to candidates and uh, you know, talking to potential new te- team members, especially ones that do not have industry experience, those that have been in the industry, I think, understand some of the unique challenges and what it takes uh, getting knocked down uh, you know, most days and having to pick yourself back up and just some of the really unique nuances uh, of this industry. But for those that are new, I have found that uh, you know, while many have been successful, and it's certainly very, very possible, and we have a lot of great stories of people that have come from other industries, until you're in it, you do not understand uh, how difficult it can be given the state-by-state nature of the business, all the regulatory and compliance dynamics, uh, the fact that you're you know, running a whole business of agriculture and manufacturing and uh, you know, food processing and retail stores. It's a very uh, unnatural business model that, uh, that we run, but uh, that's, that's the challenge. And I think about someone like you, you were, you're, like, you were literally working 15 you were literally working 10-hour days as an assistant manager when 15 patients came in. And so I think like so many people out there, everyone's like an overnight success, right? So people just see you and they think like one day you just woke up as CEO of Cureleaf. But in fact, you were working in a dispensary when only 15 patients were coming in. And so, you know, for, for 
people that are just getting started, I think it's so inspiring for them to hear that they could be an assistant store manager right now and have the opportunity to, you know, work and grow. Um, when you have seen employees that have really worked their way up, um, you know, outside of resilience, is there any common thread between people? Everyone's coming to us saying, you know, I want to get promoted. I want to get ahead. Like, what do I need to do? And of course, it's like, you need to be resilient and show up. But is there anything else that you've seen where like, because you have some of the best talent in the world on the Leaf team, like, what about those people do you think that makes them so great? Yeah, I think it is somebody that is interested in being very knowledgeable about the cannabis plant and the industry that we're in and the consumer and that. It doesn't mean that you have to be a lifelong cannabis consumer or uh, uh, you know necessarily be the world's expert in it, but you have to demonstrate an interest in learning, in developing, in wanting to get exposed to you know, all facets of the business as best as you can. And that's what I've found is people that are committed to doing that, there's so much information out there. Um, and if you want to get educated, uh, the information is there in terms of internal tools that we offer with our training programs, as well as just information generally available. Um, people need to be knowledgeable about cannabis plant, cannabis products. We're not making widgets. This is a different business. And uh, I have found that uh, that is people that have had great stories moving up into different roles. It's because they've had a genuine interest and passion in the industry, in the products that we produce in the plant. You know, we all talk about like how challenging the space has been over the last you know, decade. Is there it's kind of a tough question, but is there one challenge that comes to mind where you're like, that was the absolute most challenging thing that I've gone through in the cannabis industry outside of just like the day to day of like today, my bank account got closed tomorrow. You know, I'm sure, you know, I want to buy a house and I can't get the mortgage because I'm in the cannabis industry or uh, this employee won't come work for us because of the stigma. Like there's so many challenges. I want to, I love asking people like, what is the, if you had to pick one challenge that comes to your brain, which one is it? Wow, there's so many to count. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a hard one. Uh, look, I'll point to a um, uh, a recent one that occurred that was really, I think, a uh, a pivotal moment and something that uh, that I'm really proud of. Which was uh, we had kind of a, a crazy occurrence happen, uh, you know, where there was a license that we held, a very um, you know important license uh, in in New Jersey and. Uh, due to reasons that I won't go into, uh, ultimately uh, there was an issue where uh, the license was potentially going to get revoked and it was gonna have a major impact on our business and was completely wrong and uh, you know really did not have any merit whatsoever. And so my team mobilized over the course of a weekend basically and uh, you know basically brought together our entire team and was able to get this uh, you know decision uh, turned around over a weekend basically which uh, I've never seen a state regulatory agency uh, ultimately uh, you know kind of reverse a decision that quickly but uh, was just incredibly proud it was an amazing moment we ended up bringing hundreds of team members together from our facilities in New Jersey a lot of friends uh, customers uh, that came to support us uh, and basically had a protest outside of the uh, agency that uh, that governed the uh, the industry there, and was able to get the, the decision reversed. But that weekend was uh, incredibly challenging and difficult, and had big stakes at play. And uh, but I think it showed the uh, back to the resilience piece, and back to having that will to uh, do whatever it takes to be successful. Uh, you know, that was uh, one that I point back to. You know, another cool thing about that story is that, um, like, we talk about. So you guys are the biggest 
U.S. cannabis company. But when you started out, you only had three stores and everyone was so scrappy. I feel like sometimes along the way, when companies get so big, they can't do these like all come together, move super fast, get something fixed over a weekend. So it feels to me like you've carried that early day, day one scrappy culture all the way through where you are now. How important is it for people that join the industry to like be scrappy? I mean, I think about so many big corporations, there's no way people could come together over a weekend and get something like this done in a weekend. And so how have you, you know, I, I talk to founders who are like, you know, I, I want to go back to like the early days when we were just like getting in a room, getting shit done, moving super fast. But now I have a couple thousand employees and like, I can't like move people. How have you been able to keep the culture and the mentality this like day one so that you could do something like that over the course of a weekend? Because yeah. not very many multi-thousand person companies can do what you just described. Yeah, you know, I call it the entrepreneurial spirit, and it's something that uh, you know I have. It's always been in my blood. That's uh, you know why I decided at a young age to uh, go off on my own and uh, and work for myself. Um, but I think it's incredibly important for companies to continue to have that entrepreneurial spirit. And I laugh a little bit uh, at this notion of these you know corporate cannabis companies that are these large uh, conglomerates. The reality is, uh, you know, these companies are run by entrepreneurs just like myself and many others and uh, they're still relatively young companies. This is still a very young industry even though we've been at this for 10 years when you think about it uh, kind of in a long-term view and so it's incredibly important uh, to have that entrepreneurial spirit, to be scrappy, to be solution-oriented. Uh, you know as I said this industry there's no playbook for exactly uh, running a multi-state or a global cannabis business. You're writing the playbook and that requires a uh, you know entrepreneurial mindset where um, um, you know, that's not rigid. It's not already, uh, you know, there for you. Not every uh, SOP has been fully developed. Uh, you have to build that. I mean, you heard it here first. The largest cannabis company says, got to be scrappy, got to move fast. And so if Curly was saying that every single other business that's significantly smaller has to be taking that approach. Um, moving forward to thinking about 2024, we're sitting here, it's uh, November, end of November, 2023. What are you uh, optimistic about going into 2024 and you know what is your hope for the year? Yeah, I, I'm feeling very optimistic at the moment. Uh, there's no doubt this industry has gone from hyper growth to a next phase of its evolution. And it's not been an easy couple years, as you've seen markets that have gotten really oversupplied, some of the regulations that have gone awry and really created some very challenging markets. But I feel like uh, many companies have used this period of time, us included, to really tighten our belts, to focus on really improving operations, continuing to focus on execution, and have really become stronger businesses uh, coming out of a hypergrowth era into a more stabilized, uh, you know, foundationally set business. And so I think uh, I'm really happy with a lot of the work that we've been doing on that front. And I look at the forecasts of what's taken place and just some trends that we're seeing um, with some of the things like pricing compression and some of the oversupply that occurred. And look, the lack of capital that's come into the market the last couple of years has actually done a good thing to kind of rebalance uh, you know, some of the supply and demand in that. So I'm feeling bullish about where the industry is now headed. Um, you know, this industry has always been based on state-level catalysts, and I think that's going to continue to happen. You know, New York's the big one that we're excited about that, uh, you know, we're hoping to be able to, uh, you know, be launching there in the adult use market uh, very, very soon here. Uh, we've got other catalysts on the horizon. Uh, really looking forward to Germany. You know, we have a major presence in well, Europe. I saw on Twitter that you were 
Over yeah, there? Yeah, I was just over there in London meeting with our team. And uh, you know, Europe's not a story really getting talked about a lot in the U.S. today, but I think starting in 2024 with Germany uh, removing cannabis from the narcotics mm -hmm. list, uh, it's going to really become front and center a lot more um, in the next few years. And so it's a big focus of ours, and we're seeing Germany as a real big catalyst, 80 million people, and it's going to grow into a very large uh, medical market. Um, so we have some of those catalysts on the horizon, obviously some more states, uh, hopefully with places like Florida and Pennsylvania, and Ohio that uh, should be launching in September. And so I think there's some good things. Uh, some great hires coming. Some great hires, of course. Always looking to uh, add top talent, uh, you know, to the Curaleaf team. And, uh, yeah. So my, my last question for you, because I know you have to get back out there to MJ BizCon. Um, if you could give yourself in 2013, if you could give Matt 2013 advice, you're now sitting here as CEO of Curaleaf. You're giving Matt 2013 advice walking into the trade show in the Rio, what one piece of advice would you give yourself back then that you wish you knew over your decade career in cannabis? Wow, that is a. I really great go question. for like the personal questions out yeah, here. Wow. This is a, this is a chance to get to know Matt, yeah. different level. Hmm, that's a good one. Uh, buy a helmet, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I would say it is, um, you know. Prepare for the unexpected. I think uh, you know that is cannabis. Is every day is different. Uh, there are uh, things around the corner that you're not going to see, and that you have to be able to quickly adapt and pivot and uh, keep an open mind to that. You know, a lot of what I thought you know a handful of years ago, even more recently, you know, I have a different point of view on now. I've kept an open mind, and I've uh, you know tried to listen to different voices, and uh, you know, really, uh, and look, the industry continues to evolve. That's part of what makes it super fun. Is just uh, uh, it is always changing, and uh, again, it's still relatively in its early stages, I believe. This is a much longer uh, story. So I would say just really kind of having that open mind and, uh, you know, be able to, uh, you know, pivot uh, when needed. Well, thank you so much for being here. And for everybody, before I, we started recording, I checked on Banks.com. Cureleaf has over 200 open jobs on Banks.com right now. So if you want the chance to join Matt's incredible team, growing team, you can visit Banks.com slash Cureleaf and apply to any of the jobs to get in touch directly with your awesome talent team who we work with. So thank you so much for being a customer of Banks. We really appreciate your business and your partnership over the years. And I can't wait to see what you do in 2024 and beyond. So it's a great time having you on. I'm so glad we got to do this. Thank you. It's been great working with you and your team and uh, look forward to more. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why isn't the endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.